amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio.
Bonsoir and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, mesdames and messieurs. It is Sunday, the 10th day of March in the year 2019, and you're now listening to Playtime with Sandra Radio. I'm your hostess, adult media publisher Sandra London of livinggrind.com. The song you just heard at the top of the hour is called What to Say by Jacopo. The call-in number, which is available during the live uh, show this evening, is 858. 858- 815-2333, once again, 858-815-2333, and here, here, attention, attention, if you have not changed your clocks, remember, we're springing forward, so you need to, yeah, jump up a little bit, but yeah, go ahead and do that if you haven't already, it will help you tremendously, I promise. <laughs> um, in the meanwhile, here is a song by... Uh, Kemaro called VIP. Les femmes 
Okay, without my, you looking twice as nice. Slit two frames, girl, you twice as nice. Ice cold, look, I'ma call you slice. Ice cream on your chin, let me light your life. Cause baby, yeah, you drive me crazy. You can call me maybe, or just leave me singing, baby, baby, JB. No lie, you like Pelican Fly. I need you in my life, like do or die. This is getting kinda scary, cause I'm feeling so heavy. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Tell me, are you ready? Yeah, it's KG. Let's do it.
And we're back. You're listening to Playtime with Sandra Radio, and I'm your hostess, Sandra London of TheVingGrind.com. Uh, you just heard a whole gaggle of songs. Here we are. Let me list them for you briefly. Uh, you heard VIP by Kemaro, uh, Kemaro. Underwater by Kuna. Uh, yeah, Baby by Elliot Brown. My Pillow and Me by Lizzie Miles. And Tiger of a Tail by Mr. and Mrs. Smith. The call-in number is 858-815-2333. Once again, 858-815-2333. I'll give you a song here in a second. Uh, let's do... Hold on. Jeez. I don't know which one right now. Sorry, y'all. Hold on. Let's do... Tonight by Mercury and the Arch. Here you are. God don't like me, strike me where I stand Cause the money in your wallet don't make the man Cause the pain that you swallow never part the plan Middle finger to tomorrow cause here I am Here I remain Hoping that the truth doesn't hurt For the moment just ease the pain Embrace the rain Knowing that no matter how hard you try We all miss the train Maybe that's the way life's supposed to be Living to impress with death Standing close to me So short is the man that I hope to be Tugging on the path Cause I'm trying to catch a ghost of me Too far to see Too high to crash I'm searching for a purpose in an empty class I'm searching for a virgin not a piece of end While I'm sipping on the bourbon from the devil's flag I'm telling you baby that I'm caught in the middle Between the life that you gave me And the life behind the pistol Don't you worry about tomorrow Cause tonight is a party and we'd rather fall in love with ourselves than somebody Perception, perfection Anything that you want to mention Anything for a false impression Like, hey, I'm looking for a woman to invest in Call me crazy, might be faded Often, baby, wanna take it Falling lately, no one makes it Where you made me get you naked Make a statement, let's crack the pavement With the plan to medical fate We're changing from the gut of the greatness Never stay complacent, let's own the night Let's take what's taken I'm contemplating, sick of waiting Sick of sleeping while the dreams are waking I swear I'm leaving if nothing changes Embrace the weekend, it's tonight's amazing Baby, that I'm caught in the middle Between the life that you gave me And the life behind the pistol Don't you worry about tomorrow Cause tonight is a party And we'd rather fall in love with ourselves Than somebody Baby, 
man. You are not no hardcore gangbanging motherfucker. You aren't even in the city. You don't even live around here. You live in a $300,000 house. Your mama is a motherfucking lawyer. Your daddy's a doctor. What the man? Fuck This one's for you, dog. I'm a hardcore nigga, got my cul-de-sac on lockdown. Yeah. You don't believe me? Yes, my mom, she lives a block down. Yeah. yeah, it's a small town, but I rep the shy city. I know my other shitty line friends are with me, and they hard as me. It ain't they hard to see that we individually as hard as a bitch can be. Now, I ain't saying I'm a bitch, I'm just a bitch-ass wigger. And if you call me a bitch, I dip with the quickness, nigga. Yeah, I rep any gang all day. all day. I don't even know their colors, but they miles away. And I'm safe because I'm inside of my own backyard. And my mama called the cops. And I be causing gang violence at the soup kitchen And the retirement home where all the mojis be Last week I broke a nigga's knee for swinging a cane at me I'm a hardcore motherfucking suburban gangster I'm straight gangster, homie Fucking gangster Hardcore motherfucking suburban gangster Get it right, bitch Motherfucker I'm a hardcore motherfucking suburban gangster I'm straight motherfucking Hardcore motherfucking suburban gangster Get the fuck up on my cul-de-sac. Dog, I'm always in the streets, but my curfew's 9.30. Until then, I'm killing beats and trying to get my wang dirty. But it's kind of hard when I'm hosting cute with bitches, so I'm what I gotta do to get them. Sucker likes to dick a son. I walk through the mall and check a girl like Winnie Ann. Looking friendly, to be honest, if you notice, then I stop booking. Left, I happen to have a ton of faggots from my crew. Bring Rolling it, bitch. Rolling deeper, shining every scrap with heat. You know how we do. They call me the hardest artist. I started throwing weeks ago. Oh. I know he sounds retarded, but my homie said he teaches me slow. Oh. And I pretend that it's true But if I met a real thug I wouldn't know what to do Hopefully I don't get popped For having my hat cocked Wait a minute Where am I tweaking? Tell my dad a cop So unprotected, respected Only rejected by bitches I get neglected, deflected Can't come correct with these bitches But I'm a hardcore motherfucking Suburban gangster I'm straight gangster, homie Fucking gangster Hardcore motherfucking Suburban gangster Get it right, bitch Motherfucker I'm a hardcore motherfucking Suburban gangster I'm straight motherfucking Hardcore motherfucking suburban gang Get the fuck up on my cul-de-sac Pass 
after bucking through a guy of suicides See every single tiny fragment of a precious wealth is plucked And squandered on and on we never stop To ponder long upon the future What'll happen when it's gone the drop Is what I'm calling the drop Needed a name after the drop And all the fall in life won't be the same Cast and plot can't continue without scenery or stage We're pretty shit at dialogue Failure to engage, engaging Have we reached and passed the point of no return With no concern Half the oil been wholly burned They say to me to wait and see Cause they're on top of it Smell a proper crock of shit It's blatantly the opposite The drop will hit Topple everything down Never been down So lower goddess only knows Endeavor and now To erase craze Many many ways Anybody else to the end of days Blaze jays glaze When I'm in a haze My phrase breeze When I'm in a say Ready for the drop What ready or not I'm saying everybody stop Rock steady and chop Good to go my grab Whatever you got Gonna run over the hills Chop set of the knot And it's a knot This Gordian I'm ordering this audience To draw your sword and sword Core before the end of order is or drop. The drop, drop, I'm calling it. The drop, drop, I'm calling it. The drop's what I'm calling it. Drop needed a name after the drop. And all the falling life won't be the same. Cast and block, can't continue without scenery or stage. And we're pretty shit. Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde by Robert Louis Stevenson. Chapter 2, Search for Mr. Hyde. Recorded by Sandra London of livinggrind.com. That evening, Mr. Ederson came home to his bachelor house in somber spirits and sat down to dinner without relish. It was his custom of a Sunday when this meal was over, to sit close by the fire, 
a volume of some dry divinity on his reading desk until the clock of the neighboring church rang out the hour of twelve, when he would go soberly and gratefully to bed. On this night, however, as soon as the cloth was taken away, he took up a candle and went into his business room. There he opened his safe, took from the most private part of it a document endorsed on the envelope, on the envelope as Dr. Jekyll's will, and sat down with a clouded brow to study its contents. The will was holographed for Mr. Utterson, though he took charge of it now that it was made, had refused to lend the least assistance in the making of it. It provided not only that, in case of the decease of Henry Jekyll, M.D., D.C.L., L.L.D., F.R.S., etc., all his possessions were to pass into the hands of his friend and benefactor, Edward Hyde. But that in case of Dr. Jekyll's disappearance or unexplained absence for any period exceeding three calendar months, the said Edward Hyde should step into the said Henry Jekyll's shoes without further delay and free from any burden or obligation beyond the payment of a few small sums to the members of the doctor's household. This document had long been the lawyer's eyesore. It offended him, both as a lawyer and as a lover of the sane and customary sides of life, to whom the fanciful was the immodest. And hitherto, it was his ignorance of Mr. Hyde that had swelled his indignation. Now, by a sudden turn, it was his knowledge. It was already bad enough when the name was but a name of which he could learn no more. It was worse when it began to be clothed upon with detestable attributes, and out of the shifting, insubstantial mists that had so long baffled his eye, there leaped up the sudden, definite presentment of a fiend. I thought it was madness, he said, as he replaced the obnoxious paper in the face. And now I began to say it is disgrace. With that, he blew out his candle, put on a great coat, and set forth in the direction of Cavendish Square, that citadel of medicine, where his friend, the great Dr. Lanyon, had his house and received his crowding patients. If anyone knows, it will be Lanyon, he had thought. The solemn butler knew and welcomed him. He was subjected to no stage of delay, but ushered direct from the door to the dining room where Dr. Lanyon sat alone over his wine. This was a hearty, healthy, dapper, red-faced gentleman with a shock of hair, prematurely white, and a boisterous and decided manner. At sight of Mr. Utterson, he sprang up from his chair and welcomed him with both hands. The geniality, as was the way of the man, was somewhat theatrical to the eye, but it reposed on genuine feeling. For these two were old friends, old maids, both at school and college, both, through, both thorough respecters of themselves and of each other, and what does not always follow, men who thoroughly enjoyed each other's company. After a little rambling talk, the lawyer led up to the subjects which so disagreeably preoccupied his mind. I suppose, Lanyon, said he, you and I must be the two oldest friends at Henry Jekyll's. I wish the friends were younger, chuckled Dr. Lanyon, but I suppose we are. And what is that? I see the tell of them now. Indeed, said Utterson, I thought you had a bond of common interest. We had, 
was the reply, but it is more than ten years since Henry, Henry Jekyll became too fanciful for me. He began to go wrong, wrong in mind, and though, of course, I continue to take an interest in him for old sake's sake, as they say, I see, and I have seen, devilish little of the, of the man, such unscientific balderdash, added the doctor, flushing suddenly purple, with a strange Damon and Pythias. The full spirit of temper was somewhat of a relief to Mr. Ederson. They have only, they've only differed on some point of science, he thought, and being a man of no scientific passions, except in the matter of conveyancing, he even added, it is nothing worse than that. He gave his friend <clears throat> a few seconds to recover his composure, and then approached the question he had come to put. Did you ever come across the protégés, he's? One Hyde, he asked. Hyde, repeated Lannan. No, never heard of them since my time. That was the amount of information that the lawyer carried back with him to the great dark bed on which he tossed to and fro until the small hours of the morning began to grow large. It was a night of little ease to his toiling mind, toiling in mere darkness and besieged by questions. Six o'clock stuck on the bells of the, of the church that was so conveniently near to Mr. Utterson's dwelling, and still he was digging at the problem. Hitherto it had touched him on the intellectual side alone, but now his imagination also was engaged, or rather enslaved. And as he lay and tossed in the gross darkness of the night and the curtained morning, Mr. Enfield's tale went by before his mind in a scroll of lighted pictures. He would be aware of the great field of lance of a nocturnal city, then of a figure of a man walking swiftly, then of a child running from the doctors, and then these met, and that human juggernaut trod the child down and passed on regardless of her screams. Or else he would see a room in a rich house where his friend lay asleep, dreaming and smiling at his dreams, and the door of that room would be opened, the curtains of the bed plucked apart, the sleeper recalled, and lo, there would stand by his side a figure to whom power was given, and even at that dead hour he must rise and do its bidding. The figure in these two phases haunted the lawyer all night, and if at any time he dozed over, it was but to see it glide more stealthily through sleeping houses, or move the more swiftly and still the more swiftly, even to dizziness, through wider labyrinths of lamp-lighted city at every street corner, crush a child and leave her screaming. And still the figure had no face by which he might know it. Even in his dreams, it had no face, or one that baffled him and melted before his eyes. And thus it was that there, that there sprang up and grew apace in the lawyer's mind, a singularly strong, almost an inordinate curiosity to behold the features of the real Mr. Hyde, if he could but once set eyes on him away, as was the habit of mysterious things when well examined. He might see a reason for his friend's strange preference or bondage, call it which you please, and even for the startling clause of the will. At least it would be a face worth seeing, the face of a man who was without bowels of mercy, a face which had but to show itself to raise up in the mind of the unimpressionable and field a spirit of enduring hatred.
From that time forward, Mr. Utterson began to haunt the door in a by-street of shops. In the morning before office hours, at noon when business was plenty and at times scarce, at night under the face of the fogged city moon, by all lights and at all hours of solitude or concourse, the lawyer was to be found on his chosen post. If he be Mr. Hyde, he had thought, I should be Mr. Seek. And at last his patience was rewarded. It was a fine, dry night, frost in the air. The streets as clean as a ballroom floor, the lamps unshaken by any wind, drawing a regular pattern of light and shadow. By 10 o'clock, when the shops were closed, the by street was very solitary, and in spite of the low growl of London from all around, very silent. Small sounds carried far. Domestic sounds out of the houses were clearly audible on either side of the roadway, and the rumor of the approach of any passenger preceded him by a long time. Mr. Utterson had been some minutes at his post when he was aware of an odd light footstep drawing near. In the course of his nightly patrols, he had long grown accustomed to the quaint effect with which the footfalls of a single person, while he was still a great way off, suddenly spring out distinct from the vast hum and clatter of the city. Yet his attention had never been before so sharply and decisively arrested, and it was with a strong, superstitious provision of success that he withdrew into the entry of the court. The steps drew swiftly nearer and swelled out suddenly louder as they turned the end of the street. The lawyer, looking forth from the entry, could soon see what manner of man he had to deal with. He was small and very very plainly dressed, and the look of him, even at that distance, went somehow strongly against the watcher's inclination. But he made straight for the door, crossing the roadway to save time, and as he came, he drew a key from his pocket, like one approaching home. Mr. Utterson stepped out and touched him on the shoulder as he passed. Mr. Hyde, I think. Mr. Hyde shrank back with a hissing intake of the breath, but his fear was only momentary. And though he did not look the lawyer in the face, he answered coolly enough, That's my name. What do you want? I see you are going in, returned the lawyer. I'm an old friend of Dr. Jekyll's, Mr. Edison of Gaunt Street. And meeting you so conveniently, I thought... You might admit me. You will not find Dr. Jekyll. He is from home, replied Mr. Hyde, blowing in the key. And then suddenly, but still without looking up, How did you know me? he asked. On your side, said Mr. Utterson. Will you do me a favor? With pleasure, replied the other. What shall it be? Will you let me see your face? asked the lawyer. Mr. Hyde appeared to hesitate, and then, as if upon some sudden reflection, fronted about with an air of defiance, and the pair stared at each other pretty fixedly for a few seconds. Now I shall know you again, said Mr. Utterson. It may be useful. Yes, returned Mr. Hyde. It is as well, we have met, and apropos, you should have my address. And he gave a number of a street in Soho. Good God, thought Mr. Utterson, can he too 
I've been thinking of the blue. But he kept his feelings to himself and only grunted in acknowledgement of the address. And now, said the other, how did you know me? By description, was the reply. Whose description? We have common friends, said Mr. Addison. Common friends, echoed Mr. Hyde, a little hoarsely. Who are they? Jeku, for instance, said the lawyer. He never told you, cried Mr. Hyde with a flush of anger. I did not think you would have lied. Come, said Mr. Ederson, that is not king language. The other snarled aloud into a savage laugh, and the next moment, with extraordinary quickness, he had unlocked the door and disappeared into the house. The lawyer stood a while when Mr. Hyde had left him, the picture of disquietude. Then he began slowly to mount the street pausing every step or two and putting his hand to his brow like a man in mental perplexity. The problem he was thus debating as he walked was one of a class that is rarely solved. Mr. Hyde was pale and dwarfish. He gave an impression of deformity without any nameable malformation. He had a displeasing smile. He had borne himself to the lawyer with a sort of murderous mixture of timidity and boldness and he spoke with a husky, whispering, and somewhat broken voice. All these were points against him, but not all of these together could explain the hitherto unknown disgust, loathing, and fear with which Mr. Ederson regarded him. There must be something else, said the perplexed gentleman. There's something more, if I could find a name for it. God bless me, the man seems wholly human. Something troglodytic, shall we say, or... Can it be the old story of Dr. Fell, or is it the mere radiance of a foul soul that thus transpires through and transfigures its clay continent? The last, I think, for, oh, my poor old Harry Jekyll, if ever I read Satan's signature upon a face, it is on that of your new friend. Round the corner from the by street, there is a square of ancient, handsome houses now for the most part decayed from their high estate, and let in flats and chambers to all sorts and conditions of men, map engravers, architects, shady lawyers, and the agents of obscure enterprises. One house, however, second from the corner, was still occupied entire, and at the door of this, which wore a great air of wealth and comfort, though it was now plunged in darkness except for the fanlight, Mr. Ederson stopped and knocked. A well-dressed, elderly servant opened the door. Is Dr. Jekyll at home, Poole? asked the lawyer. I will see, Mr. Ederson, said Poole, admitting the visitor, as he spoke into a large, low-roofed, comfortable hall paved with flags, warmed after the fashion of a country house by a bright, open fire and furnished with costly cabinets of oak. Will you wait here by the fire, sir, or shall I give you a light in the dining room? Here, thank you, said the lawyer, and he drew near and leaned on the tall fender. This hall, in which he was now left alone, was the pet fancy of his friend the doctor's, and Utterson himself was wont to speak of it as the pleasantest room in London. But tonight there was a shudder in his blood. The face of Hyde sat heavy on his memory. He felt what was 
what was rare with him, a nausea and distaste of life, and in the gloom of his spirits, he seemed to read a menace in the flickering of the firelight on the polished cabinets and the uneasy starting of the shadow on the roof. He was ashamed of his release when Poole presently returned to announce that Dr. Jekyll was gone out. I saw Mr. Hyde go in by the old dissecting room, Poole, he said. Is that right, when Dr. Jekyll is from home? Quite right, Mr. Utterson, sir, replied the servant. Mr. Hyde has a key. Your master seems to repose a great deal of trust in that young man, Poole, resumed the other, musingly. Yes, sir, he does indeed, said, said Poole. We have all orders to obey him. I, I do not think I ever met Mr. Hoyt, said, asked Mr. asked Utterson. Oh dear, no, sir. He never dines here, replied the butler. Indeed, we see very little of him on this side of the house. We, he mostly comes and goes by the laboratory. Well, good night, Poole. Good night, Mr. Utterson. And the lawyer set out homeward with a very heavy heart. Poor Harry Jekyll, he thought. My mind misgives me. He is in deep waters. He was wild when he was young. A long while ago, to be sure. But in the law of God, there's no statute of limitations. I must be that the ghost of some old sin, the cancer of some concealed disgrace, punishment coming, very cloudo, years after memory is forgotten and self-love condoned fault. And the lawyer, scared by the thoughts, brooded a while on his own past, groping in all the corners of memory, least by chance some jack-in-the-box of an old iniquity should leap to light there. His past was fairly blameless. Few men could read the rolls of their life with less apprehension. Yet he was humbled to the dust by the many Ill, Ill things he had done, and raised up again into a sober and fearful gratitude by the many he had come so near to doing, yet avoided. And then by a return on his former subject, he conceived a spark of hope. This master Hyde, if he was studied, thought he, must have secrets of his own, black secrets by the look of them, secrets compared to which poor Jekyll's worst would be like sunshine. Things cannot continue as they are, it turned me cold to think of this creature stealing like a thief to Harry's bedside. Poor Harry, what awakening and a danger of it. For if this Hyde suspects the existence of the wheel, he may grow impatient to inherit. I, I must put my shoulders to the wheel. If Jekyll will, but let me, he added. If Jekyll will only let me. For once more, he saw before his mind's eye as clear as transparency, the strange clauses of the will. The end of
Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Chapter 3. Dr. Jekyll was quite at ease. Recorded by Sandra London, written by Robert Louis Stevenson. A fortnight later, by excellent good fortune, the doctor gave one of his pleasant dinners to some five or six old cronies, all intelligent, reputable men, and all judges of good wine and Mr. Utterson so contrived that he remained behind after the others had departed. This was no new arrangement, but a thing that had befallen many scores of times. Where Utterson was liked, he was liked well. Hosts loved to detain the tri-lawyer when the light-hearted and loose-tongued had already their foot on the threshold. They liked to sit a while in his unobtrusive company, practicing for solitude, sobering their minds, and the man's rich silence after the expense and strain of gaiety. To this rule, Dr. Jekyll was no exception. 
and as he now sat on the opposite side of the fire, a large, well-made, smooth-faced man of fifty, with something of a stylish cast, perhaps, but every mark of capacity and kindness. You could see by his looks that he cherished for Mr. Utterson a sincere and warm affection. I've been wanting to speak to you, Jekyll, began the latter. You know that will of yours? A close observer might have gathered that the topic was distasteful, but the doctor carried it off gaily. My poor Utterson, said he, you are unfortunate in such a client. I never saw a man so distressed as you were by my will, unless it were that hidebound pedant Lanyon at what he called my scientific heresies. Oh, I know he's a good fellow. You needn't frown. An excellent fellow, and I always mean to see more of him. But a hidebound pedant for all that, an ignorant, blatant pedant, I was never more disappointed in any man than Lanyon. You know, I never approved of it, pursued Utterson, ruthlessly disregarding the fresh topic. My will? Yes, certainly, I know that, said the doctor, a trifle sharply. You've told me so. Well, I tell you so again, continued the lawyer. I've been learning something of young Hyde. The large, handsome face of Dr. Jekyll grew pale to the very lips, and there came a blackness about his eyes. I do not care to hear any more, said he. This is a matter I thought we'd agreed to drop. What I heard was abominable, said Utterson. You can make no change. You do not understand my position, returned the doctor, with a certain incoherency of manner. I am painfully situated, Utterson. My position is a very strange, a very strange one. It's... It is one of those affairs that cannot be mended by talking. Jekyll, said Utterson, you know me. I'm a man to be trusted. Make a clean breast of this in confidence, and I make no doubt I can get you out of it. My good Utterson, said the doctor, this is very good of you. This is downright good of you, and I cannot find words to take you in. I believe you fully. I would trust you before any man alive. I, before myself, if I could make the choice. But indeed, it isn't what you fancy. It is not as bad as that. And just to put your good heart at rest, I will tell you one thing. The moment I choose, I can be rid of Mr. Hyde. I give you my hand upon that. And I thank you again and again. And I will just add one little word. Utterson, that I'm sure you'll take in good part. This is a private matter, and I beg of you to let it sleep. Utterson reflected a little, looking in the fire. I've no doubt you're perfectly right, he said at last, getting to his feet. Well, Lord, since we've touched upon this business, and for the last time, I hope, continued the doctor, there's one point I should like you to understand. I have a really a very great interest in Paul Hyde. I know you've seen him. He told me so. And I fear he was rude, but I do sincerely take a great, a very great interest in that young man. 
and if I am taken away, Utterson, I wish you to promise me that you would bear with him and get his rights for him. I think you would, if you knew all, and it would be a weight off my mind if you would promise. I can't pretend that I should ever like him, said the lawyer. I don't ask that, pleaded Jekyll, laying his hand upon the other's arm. I only ask for justice. I only ask you to help him for my sake when I'm no longer here. Ederson heaved an irrepressible sigh. Well, said he, I promise.
be a rapper, put that work and keep on living Just become it, act as if it's your desire Life already, mount that beast and ride it steady Mountain peaks and Serengeti Pick a beat, it's mean it's Freddy So niggas eating spaghetti Up in Venice, fucking women Pause, they pump to get a listen Niggas feeling only realness Phony gimmicks, don't do digits Drop the beat and I'm grinding No fuck boy, not talking about twerking Serve that word up like it's a service Up all night, the world is a circus I smoke, I drink, I drink, I smoke, I roll I dab, I need some coke The sun is about to come back up Bowl of tab and Adderall Place to see People to meet won't stop until I have it All the studio to pad them all Roll up in the bathroom stall Niggas getting rich on this shit with Ricky Rick Next we gotta do the bin Shooting flicks inside the world And we focused on this shit Like the internet to geeks Niggas rolling, rolling, rolling We ain't slept in weeks, nigga Chocolate made a chronic in the project, never shock us all for the thrill. Niggas know we got pills, wanna chill. Cush chronic on the scales, laser beam like tails. High off the lid, popping tits, laughing like kids, finger fits, hologram kicks, grab your bits, popping crisp, turn up 24, kicking the hinge off your dough. Heads know we here for most. Use the bits, get your brakes, getting high, fitting Jake. City wild out, Colin Blaze, jumping off a crowded days. We popping y'all. Plays like beepers, hot top face, swag exposed, grenades, tilt your shades, money machine, and we stay clean and getting paid. Purple wave, VIP, we lay bright light, big city, shit craze, party nights, past days. Like Kanye, we swerve and sway, hopping planes and campaigns, tilt the world with saucy friends. Life is gravy, just a game, never sleep, late night creep, steal away the whack, no names. Party pick up with the cranes, flex on hoes, they call me Bane. In the rain, flipping cane, make it rain and do it again.
I've been plotting, scheming, late nights, daydreaming, uh, I see perfection, that's simplicity, not complicated, I like life, it's like a symphony, beautiful music, keep no company if it's misery, look no bullshit and that's your missus, we got history, but man that's history, it's dirty but I'm clean, I smoke nigga, I got my lawyer working on some things, she can lose her mind, but she gotta keep her knees She hit that gas that brought her up to speed And now we on the same level I like a bad bitch, might just get your ass in trouble I turn savage, I get it straight up off the hustle You know it, I got it going I heard you talking, now you gotta show it I'ma do you like I own it Give it to me like it's mine You're looking like you want it Everybody got a role. 
Different light to the night unfold You're looking like it like the ice in the gold I can look inside your eyes like no And I ain't judging that Still trying to count up a hundred stacks And I see what y'all doing I have fun with that Little run but I'm done with that I'm on new shit I heard Nick talk he don't do shit I had to see my nigga on the news clip So every chance that I get it getting rich I'ma have to turn up on these niggas go stupid You look like the type that just deserve better I see your vision you a go-getter I know go get em. And for the night And it might just be for the night We can do anything that we like Even if it's only for the thrill Even if we doing that a spite you're looking like, you scratch, you bite, I'ma fuck you right, I'ma fuck you like I own, like I own that motherfucker. Give it to me like it's mine, you're looking like you want it, just don't waste my time, I'ma do it how you want it, give it to me like it's mine, I'ma do you like I own it.
And we're back. You're listening to Playtime with Sandra Radio. And I'm your host, Sandra London of livinggrind.com. The songs you just heard were Tonight by Mercury in the Arch, uh, Jack, Doc, excuse me, Strange Case of Dr. Deckel and Mr. Hyde, Chapter 2, written by Robert Louis Stevenson, performed aloud by yours truly, Sandra London of livinggrind.com. And then you heard Blood from a Stone by Daddy Longlegs, uh, Chapter 3 of Jekyll and Hyde, uh, Chameleon by Shaolin Dub. Oh, the other one. <laughs> Never Sleep by Kyle Young, uh, Follow Me by Frontline, uh, Like You Want It by Slipper Baby, and In Between Moments by Iron Logic. Um, that concludes this evening's broadcast. I hope you're all doing well. I hope you have sweet dreams and a pleasant week, wonderful week, beautiful week, and amazing year. And it's my birthday month. Woohoo! It's not my birthday yet, but it's my birthday month, y'all. Yay! Cheers. Anyways, <laughs> until next time. Good night. Hello, all you sexy naked girls radio listeners. Have yourself a naked day and make it a naughty night with me, Sandra London, on Playtime with Sandra every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 10 p.m. Central, 11 p.m. Now that's better, baby. Why don't we sing a song to help pass the time? Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. Merrily, 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 life is down the stream. Merrily, 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 merrily.
Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.